Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the New Brunswick Union podcast. This is episode number five, and we're keeping things in-house this time with our guests, Jody Jodouin and Michelle Burge, two of our labor relations officers working at our office here in Fredericton. Welcome, Jody and Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Our labor relations officers are the lifeblood of our office as they're the ones dealing with the questions and concerns members have on a daily basis. They take your calls, they attend meetings with the members, and they provide advice based on various collective agreements. You know, I could go on and on because I know that there's there's a lot more than you do than that. Uh, let's just say that they're very invaluable to the New Brunswick Union. Today, I want to give them an opportunity to talk about some of the most frequently asked questions that they receive from members as well as uh, some clarifying on what falls under the responsibility of the union or uh, more simply put, what can the union help you with and what it can't help you with. So let's start there. Can you lay out what types of things that the union is responsible for, uh, what it can help members with uh, when they call or email a labor relations officer, apart from the actual negotiations of a contract? Okay, so I guess the types of things that we can help with um, when a member calls or emails or things like providing interpretation of the collective agreement. So the articles within the collective agreement can't possibly lay out every example. So we do provide them a round of view of what the article is intended for. Um, and then there's also instances where the employer isn't applying the collective agreement correctly. So we seek to resolve that issue by reaching back to the department, having those discussions that need to be had, and hoping to resolve it there. And if not, then we can file a grievance if there's a cause to do so. Another area where we help our members is we represent uh, them during the investigative processes and matters relating to disciplinary action taken against them. So we always encourage members to call us right away. The employer certainly is obliged to offer that opportunity for them to contact their labor relations officer. However, um, we always still encourage the members to call us when issues do arise to ensure that we are with them from the outset. Does it happen sometimes that uh, you'll get a call and they weren't provided that offer? It does happen, um, and sometimes it also happens where members don't bother reaching out to the labor relations officer. It could be that perhaps they're embarrassed or they don't think it is perhaps as serious as it as it ends up being. However, the importance of us being there from the beginning is if disciplinary uh, action is taken and, and um, a suspension of some kind or a sanction is imposed against the employee, by not doing anything is, is essentially accepting what has been imposed upon them. And so if the matter evolves and eventually it ends up in an adjudication situation, it's important that we've grieved It could way. work against you. That's right. Yeah. I guess on that too, there's times when employees have been called in to have a meeting with their manager and the discussions taking place. The intent isn't necessarily to for something to lead to disciplinary action, but if they get to a point within that discussion where they're feeling uncomfortable and they feel that they need representation, they do have the right to stop that meeting there and say, I would like to speak with my union rep, and then they have the opportunity to call us and we can get involved at that point too. So do you always do those in person? or? For the most part, I personally like to be there as much as possible. I feel that the employer, or sorry, the employee feels much more supportive when they have that presence there. There are times because of um, scheduling conflicts and maybe weather conditions and so on where we'll call in and we'll participate by phone. But more often than not, I, I guess we would attend in person. And sometimes it depends on the nature of the meeting as well. I mean, I think we need to be clear that we're not necessarily invited to participate in every interaction a manager and an employee has, right? There is a reasonable expectation that the employer and the employee can interact without having a third party present. Yeah. Um, so depending on if it's perhaps not overly contentious, however, the, the member would be more comfortable and the employer is open to having us participate, we may um, join by phone, depending. Um, yeah. But as Michelle said, we certainly do try to be there 
in person as much as possible. Okay. So in this same vein, what kinds of things is the union not responsible for? It's not necessarily as clear cut as not responsible for per se. Like I like I like to think that we add value no matter what. So if a member has a concern about anything really, I, I would encourage them to call and have that conversation with us. Obviously, there are things that we can't intercede with. Instances where, say, they're on LTD or they're having a leave on WorkSafe. Um, we don't intercede directly with the third-party providers, but we can give them some direction and some advice on how to deal with them on particular issues that they're having. And it's certainly, even though if our realm of responsibility doesn't necessarily play into the situation that they're having, we can certainly guide them on where they can access that resource or that person that they need to speak to to move forward. Another instance would be um, we don't file grievances where there's no grounds to do so. The employer has to have been in breach of the collective agreement. Um, so then a good place to start would be looking in their collective agreement if it's covered first, right? For sure. For sure. And sometimes it means that although the, the member may not be happy with the decision or um, the process that the employer followed in coming to the decision that they made, um, unfortunately, that is not grounds for us to file a grievance. Another area where our participation can be limited is, say, some, say one member files a complaint under the respectful workplace policy against another member. In those instances, we somewhat recuse ourselves from the investigative process. But we are absolutely there to represent um, a member in the instance that some sort of disciplinary action would follow. But even leading up to that, we can give them some sort of advice and interpretation of the policy, provide some direction on how they would file those complaints and what to expect from the process. So another thing we will not do is, is claim harassment, right? So we don't do investigations. We don't do mediations. Um, and although we receive all the information from the member, we don't have all the information. We don't because we don't conduct investigations. We would never say, "Well, that is in fact invest or that is in fact harassment." Right? We will guide the member through the process, but we do not file the harassment complaint on their behalf, and we will never say that it is in fact harassment. And I guess just one other thing to point out is that management do have rights. Um, that is outlaid in the collective agreement, that management rights prevail except for provisions that are negotiated in the collective agreement. So things that would fall under management rights, we don't, we can't necessarily change, but we can open discussions with the employer, like things like um, the discretion for leave approval. You know, they, they do have the discretion to approve or deny, but there's times when perhaps if we intercede and present a more grounded argument as why they should Sometimes it's about fairness, I guess, and looking at what others are getting. Other things is, uh, let's say, the number of staff required to um, fulfill a shift, you know, organizing its workplace, essentially, that's under management rights. Um, Anything that pertains to regulatory body or associations or school of practice, we don't get involved in any of those either. So we've kind of covered what the New Brunswick Union can and can't help its members with. But now I want to hear more about the most frequently asked questions that you would receive. We get a lot of just one-off inquiries about, say, leave approvals under the collective agreement. You know, what types of leaves am I entitled to? What's the length of those leaves? Um, Can they deny it? Do they have the right to do that? Those types of things. So we get a lot of that type of thing. And I think I would further to say that it's anything that the employer refuses. That's usually where their first point of contact. So the employer has refused leave. It's refused um, an increase. It's refused anything at all. They call us to make sure is the employer allowed to do that. So that is probably a most common that we get. Yeah, yeah, They're they're just checking in to see if that makes sense or if it's fair. Yeah. And we touched earlier on like say LTD and WorkSafe and so on. 
they are quite often looking for information on what those processes actually involve and what their entitlements would be under that. While we're by no means experts on that, we have had a lot of experience, so we can guide them and, and give them further information on those types of things, too. Do you get any questions on reclassification? Because we're hearing a lot of that. We absolutely do. Um, anything from, can you complete the PDQ? Is there a better way to write this? Is the result fair? Um, is there anything you can do on our behalf? And what we can and can't do is limited to collective agreement language. Like some collective agreements, there'll be a joint committee that makes those classification decisions. Others, it's completely up to the employer to do so. Um, so we can help provide clarification, perhaps, of the decision that's made. Um, we can help them just by perhaps reviewing a PDQ they've already formulated and give some feedback on that. We do, on occasion, have members that want us to do the PDQ for them, and that's something we can't do. They they know the work. They're familiar with what they do. They're the, they're the expert on the job that they're doing. So it's appropriate that they complete that documentation, but we can definitely weigh in on what they what they put together. And generally, when members call in, as they're looking for help, they're looking for someone to listen. Right? Oftentimes, it's that they're not feeling heard in the workplace. So they're calling and hoping that we can either walk them through a certain process, offer some solutions that they haven't perhaps thought of, um, or even maybe get some validation on how they're feeling about a certain issue. I know it's a thankless job. I know that uh, most of the calls are are... are filled with problem areas and or or things that people want resolved so it's not it's certainly not an easy job but i know that you you certainly do a good job so i want to thank you for that uh, i want to thank you so much for being here today with me i know that the information that you've shared will help clarify things for many of our members i want to reiterate that if you have an issue even if you're not sure if the union can help we encourage you to call or email us we want to hear from you and we want to help you in any way possible our staff is extremely knowledgeable with lots of experience, so reach out to us at any time. All of our contact information is available on our website, as well as a lot of other great information. And that website is at www.nbu.ca. Once again, on behalf of all of us at the New Brunswick Union, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. Thank you.